Turn with me to Psalm 127, all right? Psalm 127, and we're going to begin at verse 1. The Bible says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. See the repeated phrase, unless the Lord. He's making sure we get the point that human efforts cannot build a successful family. It is going to take the work of God. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it are wasting their time. Unless we're turning to God and looking to God. If you surround a city with soldiers and you have the best weapons, unless the Lord protects the city, the city is still not protected. Unless the Lord. If I've got the three by five card in my mind and I'm wanting to write some things on my heart, hey, what is my responsibility? This sums it up in two verses. It's a principle. It's God first. God first. He must be number one. He must be prominent. He must be the center of my heart. Set apart as the Lord of my life. That's help to me. This isn't difficult and it's not, it, it's not rocket science in being who God has assigned us to be. But it does require focus. And we learn right here that God has called us to put Him first. See, the future strategy in leading my family, must rise out of the priority that God is first in my life. Joshua, he stood at a strategic place with his family, and he made an announcement that God would be first. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's it. God first. Now, I keep reading with me. Go to verse 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. In the first two verses, we get a principle. It's put God first. God first living. Now we get a perspective. Did you see the synonyms used to describe our kids? First of all, gift, reward, and arrow. Alex Trumpler came up to me. He's a young man, great teenager. He came up to me after the sermon. He said, after your sermon this morning, I looked at my mom and said, see, mom, I'm a gift. (laughs) And he said, at Christmas, he's just going to wrap himself up. (laughs) That's right. Gift. Reward. Arrow. Come alive today in this whole idea. Put God first. That's the principle. Here's the perspective. The people in your home are the most precious people in your life. Gift, reward, arrow. Mark Twain said it. You've all heard it. He said when your kid gets 13, you need to put him in a barrel. Seal the barrel. Poke a hole in the side of the barrel and feed him through the hole. He says, when he gets 16, plug the hole. (laughs) And we say, no, that's not the perspective. The perspective is your kids are a gift. 
They are a reward. And they are an arrow. An arrow in the quiver. What a metaphor. What a great illustration. Think about the archery that's used as the imagery here. First of all, like arrows in a quiver. That's, that's where they're in reserve. There's great potential. And you are managing as a parent that season in their life. There comes the time where they're brought out and retracted because if there's no retraction, there can be no forceful release. In the retraction, however, can be some interesting things in that season of life because your kids are starting to see the target that God has for them. And when you start seeing that target, you want to go for it. However, there's timing involved. God's timing. And sometimes his timing is different than our timing. And it can be frustrating when you see and sense the target, but you're not released to go for it. God is obviously still cultivating and working. And as parents, we get the incredible opportunity of helping our kids process, pray, and grow in that time where they're, they're having to go back in order to go forward. And in the retraction, which is quite a season of life, there's still an enemy who brings threat and temptation and challenge and will love to create a kind of a circumstance where they would get hung up in the retraction and never be released. Or to be so hurt or damaged or messed up in the retraction that they really can't hit the mark once they are released into the future. As a kid, I loved to ride a bicycle, and I remember the day my parents got me an accessory to my bicycle. Some of you remember these. I called them a monkey bar, and it was like this huge seat. Do you remember? Shake your head if you remember those days. Huge, high seat that went on the back of your bicycle. Helped absolutely nothing, but it really kind of looked cool if you and your neighbor could ride around with one of those high bars in the back. Well, every day I rode my bicycle, and I would ride to this certain trail, and I'd go beneath this barbed wire fence. That day, when they attached the new big high seat, I'd forgotten that it was there. I took off on the ride, took the same trail, and when I went beneath the barbed wire fence, it was just a string of barbed wire, but high enough where I could ride under it easily without the new apparatus on the back. And when I rode under that day, the high seat caught the barbed wire, and I was retracted. And when I was retracted, it threw me into the barbed wire, and I had it kind of across the back of my head and right into this ear, and it was a piercing before it was cool for guys to have a piercing. I just want to tell you that right now. And, and it was my dad who helped me because I got hung up in the retraction. Felt like Absalom. And... and I could have never, ever gone forward without the assistance of an influencer, a parent who helped me get freedom healed up. Then, as I'm finally released, anything that would seek to hang us up or hurt us in the retraction stage becomes part of our story as we're released to hit the bullseye of God's will for our life. So this incredible...
incredible opportunity that we have to be parents in those seasons where they're in reserve and yet you see the potential. Then the retraction, the season where that potential is being developed and you know the time is coming. And when the release happens, it's awesome, but there's a uniqueness to that because though you're celebrating their future, you're celebrating the fact that they're now pursuing that, they're not at home every day. They're not sitting around the table every day. And you're having to manage your heart and your emotions while you celebrate that they are going forward in their life. They are a gift. When you open up the scripture, it doesn't read of our kids like the culture. The culture will call them a tax deduction, a mouth to feed, fetal tissue. The Bible says they are a gift, a reward. And filled with purpose like an arrow in a bow where the archer will retract and release with great precision, accuracy, force, and impact. And that is the life that unfolds of the DNA of God that is invested and cultivated. That's who they are. It says who we are. Notice what it says of parents. You're a warrior. They're like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Hey, what's my responsibility? Put God first and realize this perspective. Kids are a gift. They are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. You're a warrior. You're fighting for something. You're fighting for the spiritual vitality of your family. You're fighting for your kids' future. And you fight in prayer. You fight in example. You fight in godliness. You fight every single thing that comes along in the passion of God and the power of God because there's nothing like fighting for your family. Praise the name of the Lord. That's that's an easy battle. We don't welcome it, but we will go for it because nothing touches you like that which touches your kid. When we see this incredible description, we then get strategy. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 128. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. First part of Psalm 127 says, put God first. That's what we do. Have the right perspective of your kids and of yourself. And now here's the strategy. Fear the Lord. Follow his ways. That's it. And where else will your kids learn an appropriate, reverent fear of God than from your home? You, you can't count on the church. The statistics have been done. The most faithful people attend church some 40 Sundays a year. That means a child would be in church for 40 hours for an entire year. You cannot cultivate all of the spiritual understanding in, in a child's heart and mind in 40 hours of a year. That's why... It's about the home. The first, the first institution God created, ever created was the family, then the church. Now, we need to work together as, as strategically as ever. We need as a church to be resourcing 
this concept of God, this biblical worldview, what it is to fear God and follow God, but it needs to be fuel that we're putting on a fire that you're stirring up of your own leadership and your own example in your own home. Come alive in your home spiritually. Oh, this is exciting. The opportunity that we have as parents. So, what does this verse teach us? It says that if we fear God and follow his ways, that we'll have this home because the description of you as a parent is that you're a warrior and you're happy. It says you're joyful. Over and over it repeats the word joyful. Other translation says blessed will be your home. And it's, it's a word of joy. It's a word of life. It's, it's a great word. That's the way God intends for your home to be. And the way we experience a happy home is to fear God and do what he says. Fear God and follow his ways. Fear God is not, a, it's not that I'm scared of him, but that I honor him. He's God and we are not. And I honor his ways and I follow his ways. I just do what he says. And what's the result? A blessed home. So I've got my three by five card. And like the main character of Courageous, I want to know what's my responsibility. Here it is. Put God first. Have the right perspective of your kids and yourself. They're a gift, a reward, and they're like an arrow in the hands of an archer. Meaning they have purpose and there are seasons and stages. You're a warrior. And you're joy-filled. Because you're fearing God and following his ways. All right, what's the result? Look at verse 2. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Again, it says it right here, how joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. Praise God for this promise, right? May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. So interesting. When you start at the beginning of Psalm 127, it's about God building the house, God being the center, the priority, in the life of a young parent. When we get to the end of Psalm 128, it takes you from being a young parent to a grandparent. As you follow this plan, you see the blessing of God over the, over the years. And what is also connected along with the stream of teaching about the family is the impact on the community and the nation. It's very interesting. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, unless the Lord protects the city. When you get down to the last verse of Psalm 128, it talks about the blessing of the home and peace in Israel. I want to give you a statement that the Lord put on my heart as I read through this. Here it is. When priority is given to the family, peace returns to the community. When we lose the biblical priority of family, the community spins out of control. This is why we would never look to the White House to try to give strategy for a great family within our house. 
We would never look to a courthouse to try and get good strategy for victory within our house. We would never look to city government, county government, federal government. We wouldn't even listen. We wouldn't even look to the church house. We would look to God and his word. And we would bring our family to church because it is sounding a trumpet of that which we believe as a family, of that which we're trying to be and that which we're trying to achieve in God and in our influence. And so this becomes this support, this encouragement. It's almost like you're out there as a warrior and you come here and you get blessed and refreshed and encouraged in an atmosphere of corporate worship, of corporate prayer and his word. Now you go home home, not just to a physical address, but you go home in your heart where you realize those people sitting around your table are the most precious in your world. And God has put them to be influenced by your life to help them understand the potential and the skill set and the gifts and to begin to direct their life in the way they should go so that they're thriving in the life that God has created for them. And you get to see the harvest of their influence and realize you had the privilege to plant seed of how to think how to respond, act, and react as life unfolds. What an awesome opportunity. What an incredible blessing. What a great, passionate pursuit to go home with our heart and be what God has called us to be. And as we are, the community is influenced. The city's influenced. The nation is influenced. Peace. There can't be peace in the community until there's peace in our homes. And there can't be peace in our homes until the God of peace is made preeminent and prominent and the priority. Amen? Let's come back to the challenge. So what is my responsibility? How could we take what we see in Psalm 127 and 128, take it into an action for the week? Here's the challenge. Here's the action for the week. Think family. We think success. We think our jobs. We we think our hobbies. We think all of these other pursuits, and they have their place. But I want to say think family. Wake up every day and process how to be what your family needs you to be. And live that. And love that. And be blessed in that. A couple practical things. If you're sitting here saying, I'd love to do this, really not been all I should be, don't live in the guilt of yesterday. Get excited about today and take action. But here's the thing. 
if, if you really don't have any kind of, of reading of Scripture with your family and just simple prayer, Lord, I pray you bless my wife and my kids. If, if you don't do any of that, you probably won't be successful gathering your family this afternoon and said, from here on, we're going to pray 30 minutes a day together. Start where you are. And because... You may not have done a lot of these things we're talking about. Doesn't mean you don't start. I would say open your Bibles to the book of James. It's a New Testament book. Read a couple of verses and then pray that the Lord would make that real to each person in your family. Just be real with it. Be sincere with it. And it will mean so much because God will use it. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have all of the answers. You just have to be a willing heart, a willing vessel for God to use, right? Just start where you are. You said, but I've wasted so much time. Start where you are. Years ago, I had this this staff member, and he worked in a ministry of our church, and every meeting was all that he wasn't getting to that needed to be done. And finally I said to him, because he, he had a lot of influence and success in his ministry, I said, do you realize you spend so much time on all that you're not doing that you're missing the impact of what you are doing? And if you don't find some balance and some victory in this area, you're going to be taken out of the game by your own messed up thinking. You're making an incredible difference. You're doing so much. If you live in the world of all that you haven't done and all the time that you wish you had, you miss the influence that you're having in all that you are doing. Yes, have vision for the future, but don't get trapped in that kind of a process to where you miss The simple influence of every day that you're having right now. Don't get trapped by all that you haven't done and miss that today you can do better. Today is a day of opportunity. Today is a day where you can look at your kids and tell them you love them, you're proud of them, you believe in them, you're with them, you're for them. Today is a day where you can capture teachable moments. Today is a day that you can breathe a prayer over them. Tonight when they go to bed, you can say, I just bless you in Jesus' name. Jesus, just bless him as he sleeps. Bless her as she sleeps and let her wake up tomorrow and have a great day. Amen. Today is a day... You can do some of those things. Come alive. Come alive. All journeys begin at the cross. That's the good news of today. That's how I reconcile all that I haven't done that I should. So that I still sense hope about today and tomorrow. is because I start at the cross. 
If you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior and you know nothing about the peace of God in your own life or the peace of God in your home, the starting place is the cross where you recognize he paid the full payment, the total cost of all of your sin. And as you open your heart to him, his grace saves you and forgives you. And you're saved. It's like coming out of the wilderness, like they did in the Old Testament, into the promised land. Ultimately, when they got to the promised land, they had houses they didn't build, vineyards of which they had not sown any seed or cultivated the ground. There was a flow of provision, the basic necessities of life and the blessings of life, milk and honey. It was all just the work of God. They were brought out and brought in. Salvation. But then they had to steward the life God gave them. God first. Right perspective. Fear God, follow God. Result? You'll live in the fullness of the blessing. It gets better and better and better. It doesn't mean there's not challenges. Canaan was filled with with battles they had to fight. You're a warrior. To parents, single parent, don't, don't you see a frame where you're not included. The families of the Bible were very broken people that were finding God's grace and God's help. There's a guy named Timothy. There are two letters in the New Testament with his name on it. He was an incredible young man of God, became an incredible leader and pastor. And all we know about is his grandmother and his mother. His dad wasn't part of the picture. The grace and power of God can work within the context of who you are and where you are. If you have a humble heart to say, God, I need your help. And as I go forward, Lord, it's your plan and your way. You will experience the power of God, the grace of God. I challenge people here who maybe your kids are grown and gone. Maybe you don't have kids. Please consider your influence. 300 plus teenagers fill this room every Wednesday night. And many of them have no support from their homes. Many of them have parents who who care nothing about their well-being or at all about God and His place in their life. I mean, nothing. And all the need for spiritual moms and dads come alongside of some of these kids. There's some of you in this room, and it was a person like that who invested in your life, believed in you, prayed for you, helped you understand who God is and what, what God could do in your life. An influencer who stewarded that influence so carefully. Everyone in this room is considered in the the challenge of this message. All the journeys start at the cross. Number one, do you know Jesus as your Savior? 
Today's your day to get saved if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Number two, if you're like a prodigal, come home. And you sense that draw of the Spirit today. Come home. The Lord loves you. The Lord is for you. The Lord will forgive you. When the prodigal came home in Luke 15, the father ran to meet him. And the father embraced him. And the father said, my son who was dead is now alive again. Wow. Come home. If you know God, you're trying to serve God, but there's just a passion in your heart to be more what God has called and assigned you to be. Today's the day. Come alive. Come alive.